All right. Enough about me. Okay. Well, this is about you, so oh, I mean, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> I'll just keep going. We're recording, right? Okay. Ever wonder where your food comes from? Welcome to the Inside Coop podcast, where we bring chicken farming to the 21st century. Get to know the people who raise your food and learn how modern agriculture really works. I'm your host, Eileen Poirier. Let's get started. In today's episode, we talk to farmer Tim Ansoms from Nova Scotia. Tim, a man of many talents, talks to us about his life and how he came to be in agriculture. We also discuss how Tim and his family give back to their community and the country in many ways that might just surprise you. So Tim, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Aline. So I guess the first question I'm going to ask you is a very basic question that You've probably been asked tons of times, and I know I've asked you this before, but how did you get into chicken farming and agriculture? Can you give us a bit of, a, you know, a background look in how you got to where you are? First of all, I grew up on a mixed farm of tobacco and chicken in Turkey. My grandparents emigrated from the Netherlands uh, back in the 50s, and they purchased uh, the farm that I grew up on. Um, so when they were ready to to move on, uh, my dad purchased the farm from them. So I'm I was third generation on that farm. Um, so my uh, older sister Lori has a uh, broiler chicken quota and turkey quota, and my younger sister has turkey and my dad as well. My mom and dad, uh, he has some turkey quota as well. So you know I have my own farm. Uh, my younger sister Julie has her own farm. Uh, Lori has her own farm and then mom and dad have their own farm. So early on in the process, um, you know, lots of family farms roll over and they buy the shares of the family farm and that sort of thing. Um, my mom and dad had a different mindset. They thought it would be best that we had our own farms and I guess uh, to make our own decisions and that sort of thing. How about you walk us through a typical day on the farm? What does that look like for you from the moment you get up to the moment you finish your day you know one of the unique things about the farm is that not every day is the same so there are some key things that need to happen chickens and turkeys are are most important so make sure uh, that they have food make sure they have water and make sure they're comfortable in their setting now day to day that's pretty straightforward as long as everything's maintained uh, feeds automatic, water's always there, ventilations are run by computers. And then what's cool too with technology now is that you will get an alert on your phone if something goes wrong in the barn. And just before this, you um, were actually dealing with that. Yes. So um, it was like a perfect storm of alarms uh, this morning. So my alarm was set for 5 a.m. And at 4 a.m., the turkey barn called. So Zone one. Zone one is uh, temperature downstairs. So at 4 a.m., the barn called and said zone one. And that's just the computer. So that could be any number of things. At this time of year, it's, it's probably temperature related. So I said to myself, I'm getting up at five. The lights are going to turn on. They're going to start. They're going to wake up. They're going to start eating and drinking and the temperature will go up. So I'll sit on that for a few minutes. The barn will call back in 10 minutes. If I acknowledge the alarm, 
if I acknowledge the alarm on my phone, it will call back in 10 minutes and say, hey, we're still here. It also gives me a audio of the barn. So in the, uh, the front room, I guess, or the, the shop is for my turkey barn. And so I can listen in to what's going on. So um, if everything's silent, uh, that we're good to go, um, then, then I'll, I will um, acknowledge it and then I'll wait to see if it calls back again. So it didn't call back again. So it either meant the barn warmed up or the barn burnt down. So hopefully... <laughs> There are two extremes. And, and it, that's right. Yeah. So um, <laughs> make sure you always uh, check your alarms. That will be uh, lesson one. Check your alarms. Don't uh, go back to bed. So that was four o'clock. Uh, 4.30, my chicken barn called and said, you're out of wheat. So I have a feed scale in the chicken barn and it measures uh, the amount of uh, purchased feed uh, that comes into the barn. And then I also feed uh, the whole wheat that I grow on the farm to the chickens. And so they're in two separate tanks. And uh, because of the time of the year, um, I'm at the end of the crop. So I have to shovel the tank. It's a flat bottom bin. And I have to shovel the wheat uh, into the uh, floor auger. So it called and said, you need a shovel. And it's 4.30. And I said, nope. I can ignore that alarm because I'm getting up at five and I know that the feed lines are full and I know that the hoppers are full and I know that you guys are going to be okay for another half hour. Five o'clock comes around and my turkey barn calls again and I'm like, oh gosh, okay, I'm going to go see if it's temperature related. And then it's zone seven. Zone seven is the feed scale for the turkey barn. And I knew that I was close to running out of turkey feed. so. It called to let me know that we were out of turkey feet. So, <laughs> so yes, the perfect storm of <laughs> alarms, yep. and it's not even like five yet. It is five a.m. now, and I'm like, all right, I guess it's time to deal with all the stuff. So, uh, go shovel wheat. Uh, go turn the feed lines off at the turkey barn. Everything's good. And then my wife Angela, she'll uh, get up. And then uh, we'll go for we'll go for a coffee. So we would grab our coffee and go for a 15, 20, 25, 30 minute drive in the countryside. And so we would just drive around and talk about talk about the kids, talk about what's going on in the farm, talk about life in general, talk about what's the hot topics. And and so that's sort of our I guess we call it. We call it our sort of grounding, so to sort of get set for the day. What are we up to? Um, get focused and, and go from there. We'll come home. We'll make a list. So we have scraps of paper all over the kitchen, all over the house um, with lists. And so it's uh, we make a list of usually they're very um, they're overzealous. <laughs> We put a lot of things. Everyone on. does that, though. Everyone tries to overachieve what they're going to do for the day. So don't feel bad about that. And I mean, you have the extra added layer of being a farmer and then kids and then, yeah. you know, you're taking care of kids and also birds. And so, and, yeah. Yeah. So we so we um, make our list. We'll have breakfast. Uh, we'll read the paper. If the kids are up, uh, there's always a fight for the Sudoku. And uh, lately, it's been a fight 
for the crossword. So Angela is the word warrior in the family, and I am the number warrior in the family. Uh, so when it comes to crosswords in the paper, I can usually get three, four, five words. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm the same. Don't worry. <laughs> and Angela, probably the same. Some days she'll do better. Kaylin, our 15-year-old, will come along and she will do it in 15 minutes. The whole thing. 15 minutes? 15, 20 minutes. She'll need some help oh. for some obscure like stuff that she was too young to know about. But uh, the words and the stuff that she knows from that, it, it blows my mind. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a smart guy. I have an engine. <laughs> I have an engineering degree. Uh, Angela has a <laughs> Angela has an English major from Acadia, uh, minor in kinesiology. And so, you know, put us together, and boy, we can get eight, ten words of the crossword. And then Kaylin, the 15 year old, comes along and s- smokes us. So crossword, Sudoku, newspaper, and then I'll go to the barn, do chores, uh, take a walk through the chickens thoroughly make sure everything's operating as it should, and then come back out of the barn and then go tackle the day. So what is the one thing that you do on the farm that always surprises people? It doesn't need to be agriculture related, but what are a couple of neat projects that you guys have going on on the farm that you think people would be like, oh, I didn't know that this was a possibility? Boy, uh, that's a loaded question. Um, So... On the farm, we are uh, children-centered. So our days and our life revolves uh, around, the, obviously, the chickens and the turkeys. Um, unfortunately, they come before the children. <laughs> so um, all of our activities are centered, um, for the most part, around the children. We want them to be um, happy, and we want them to be uh, productive little citizens when they grow up and we want them to be um, we want them to be responsible and we want them to be compassionate and we want them to be good people. So we homeschool the youngest two. Uh, Toby and Russell are homeschooled and the kids have restricted screen time. So they don't have free access to uh, the internet. They don't have free access to cable. We have structured our life to not be focused around screens. So um, that's not part of our day. You know, um, like I said, we have a TV, but it doesn't have cable. You can't get any channels on it. You're going to hook up your computer or your gaming system up to it, but that's it. There's no no cable on the farm. So um, the kids have a, a technology-free lifestyle. They're kids. They should be having fun. You know, um, screens and schools can come later, to be honest. They're, you know, they're 11 and 13, 15. Have fun. Uh, Run around. Grab the bike. um, Go climb trees. Go go do whatever. Go read books. Go do whatever you want. The farm is yours. You know, so don't get bogged down with screens and that sort of thing. So... Um, whenever we would go on vacation, the first place we would go would be to the local library and get books for the kids. And they would be so excited. And 
uh, they would show you all the library cards that they have of all the places that will uh, let them have a library card and and all the peculiar looks that the librarians will give us and say you're here for a week and you want to borrow books and we're like yep and you know then they have to go through their See, process I had to drag all my books when i went on vacation <laughs> it was the worst nightmare for my parents be like you need to bring this brick where um and i was like yeah when we would go to nova scotia i would yeah. bring like all my harry potter books my parents would be like these are heavy are you sure you don't want to pack anything else i was like nope yeah this is good it's a what 12 hour drive this this will do thank you <laughs> nice um so then, so then our sort of social enterprising is like what, what we like to call it sort of expands from that outwards to what, uh, what Angela does and, and what I help her do, um, when I can, uh, social enterprising. Um, that's a loaded question. Look, we just want, we are trying to grow the kids grow. We're trying to develop them. We want the kids to be kids. So, um, how do we do that? Well, um, we have meals together. Uh, it is, um, we have lunch together. We have lunch with everyone and no one gets to eat until we're all sitting down and, um, we don't have staggered lunches and we all sit down and we will have lunch together. And then if, when our afternoons happen and then we have supper together and we all have supper together. So for, from that mindset, we, we, go forward we sort of what else can we do that might that we feel will you know help um contribute to that so angela when um i had just purchased this property way back when in 2001 2000 2001 and i just bought this property i had just met angela and i said um <laughs> i said I just bought a farm. I'm going to be living here. Uh, if you want to hang out, uh, great. If you want to do whatever, we look, we were just getting to know each other. And I was like, I'm not going anywhere. This is I'm I'm sticking around on the farm. So um, you can do what you want. Uh, happy to have you here. If not, um, <laughs> whatever. Um, Come to find out, uh, Angela had a secret passion for Little House on the Prairie. Um, also, a uh, grade four field trip for her when she was living in Alberta was to the, I think, Lillardale chicken processing plant. So little did she know that um, all her um, foreshadowing of her life would lead her to um, a chicken farmer uh, up a long driveway. Um, trying to raise their kids on a little house, not quite at a prairie, but um, set back from everyone. So I was still living with my mom and dad. We were still sort of figuring things out and she wanted to go up north. So um, she ended up uh, getting a phys ed uh, teacher job in Broche, Manitoba, which is a fly-in community uh, on Reindeer Lake. Uh, on the border of Saskatchewan and Manitoba, 600 residents. I had just purchased a cell phone, made sure that I had the long distance uh, package, and we talked Very for. Very important, yeah. <laughs> uh, we would talk for for hours, hours a day. 
then we decided that I should go up. So I spent six weeks in Brochet, and I would encourage all Canadians to spend time on a First Nations community. Why is that? Perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, you can you can read all you want. You can see on the news all you want. Um, and until you have that um, lived experience, um, you know it won't settle in uh, what it's like to be on a you know on a reserve or a fly-in remote community. So um, I'm thankful that Angela. Uh, got a job there, and I'm thankful that um, I had an opportunity to be in the community for six weeks. And so, um, great experience again. But Angela came home that summer and was like, "I've got to do something. I've got to get these kids an experience outside of their community." So, so she started a nonprofit, uh, the Brochet Exchange, and the um, the basis of it was to bring four youth, grade eights, around that age, uh, out of the community and bring them to the farm for six weeks the summer. And uh, through perseverance and drive and wanting to do what she thought was the right thing and it was the right thing, we got the brochet up and running. Um, she asked for donations from all kinds of people, uh, government grants, uh, foundations, um, predominantly the Presbyterian churches across Canada. She sent letters to them and they would send in their checks of $100. And uh, she was able to bring four kids um, from brochet into, uh, onto the farm. And so we did that for, I think, five, four or five years uh, we brought four kids from Brochet uh, onto the farm to experience um, life on the farm and experience uh, life outside of their community uh, in general. So they lived on the farm. Um, they had programming. So Ange had hired summer students. She had did it herself for a couple of years. And then uh, we got married and then she got pregnant and then she had children. So it was a little more difficult to do things with the kids with baby in tow, but um, still was able to do things. And so we hired summer students and did programming for the kids, rented, you know, a van for the summer and did all sorts of programming for the kids uh, to do here in Nova Scotia. Um, and then eventually back to Ontario and back to Manitoba. Wow, that's so cool and and such an interesting way to give back to your community in a way, but also, you know, to First Nations and and people who who need it the most, which I think is I think that's just a a unique approach to it. And I think that's really cool, especially to to help them understand where their food comes from, but also help them see what else is out there, other possibilities that they might not have. Absolutely. And so, you know what, our life has been unique opportunities and unique challenges and unique um, perspectives on things. So we went from the Brochet Exchange to um, having children, having Kaylin and Angela wanted cloth diapers. And lo and behold, there is no cloth diapers in Nova Scotia. Uh, She had to go back to Brampton 
took her mom and dad and she went to Sears at the time and they had cloth diapers there. And she said, uh, this is wrong. Um, we need cloth diapers in Nova Scotia. So she started a business, the Valley Cloth Diaper Company and sold diapers. So she would find people who were selling diapers and making diapers. And she would, uh, she had an online store. Uh, we had a store that started in one of our rooms, started in our living room, and then we moved it into the room off the living room. And then we moved it into a room upstairs in the house. And then eventually we moved it to the uh, other uh, house that we have on the property, uh, which is now currently called the diaper store. So from the cloth diapers, we would have lots of families come over uh, to the farm and uh, look at diapers and that sort of thing. And then Angela said, well, we need to have a playgroup. So um, we have this, we have uh, lots of open space. We have safe spaces here. We have the coop, which is a big play area. And she said, all right, playgroups. So uh, we had all kinds of families come through the farm and participate in the playgroups. Um, and just through the cloth diapering, um, enterprise so um so yeah so we had playgroups and you know we we have friends from those days there's pictures of us when all the uh kids were you know six months old and so i guess that was in all cloth diapers in cloth diapers yeah and the, the, you didn't have to be in cloth diapers to participate in the playgroup so there was no uh we, <laughs> no 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 judgments everyone everyone is welcome um so yeah so we would have playgroups and so we, uh, you know, a lot of our uh, friends are, you know, from from the playgroup. And giving back to your community by developing something that's sustainable and, and back then probably wasn't something that a lot of people thought about. Yeah, um, it was again, um, it was, a, you know, um, Angela's initiative. It was um, she wanted to sell cloth diapers and, you know, the farm we were able to provide you know i guess the structure i don't know the structure we're just able to have the lifestyle that allows her to uh do her passion project so cloth diapers was the passion project at that time and um you know trying to you know as a mom as a woman at that time trying to start a business and all the hurdles that she had to overcome um in fact that um to overcome in order to say, you know what, uh, you know, yeah, I want to sell cloth diapers and everyone sort of tilt their head and look at her funny and be like, cloth diapers, eh? You know, maybe you want to like get a job like everyone else or like a, you know, regular people, you know, you get a job and, you know, that's how you live your life. And, and we were like, nope, uh, we're going to sell cloth diapers. Angela's like, I'm going to sell cloth diapers. So I was like, all right, um, how can we, provide that uh for you and so now uh you know we've moved on from cloth diapers and we've moved on to uh eradicating um childhood sexual abuse and so that's her passion project now and uh the farm uh provides that ability for her to pursue her passion projects so um again child-centered child-focused and how can we um, I don't know if to say better the world, but... Um, we'll make the world a better place. 
any way she can. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know what? Look, we went from brochet exchange to valley cloth diapers to eradicating child sex, um, sexual abuse. Um, those are trying to make the world a better place. And um, the farm has been able to provide that lifestyle for us uh, to do those passion projects, those, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, look, they're all, look, I mean, those projects are, um, I don't want to say out there, but they're definitely unique. And so um, that would suggest that we are unique people and that we have a unique uh, lifestyle up here. And, and, and we do. Um, there's no question about it. Uh, the farm, um, the farm is a fun i wouldn't say beautiful it's uh, a beautiful place to grow up on to grow the kids up on and uh you know i'm grateful that the farm that chicken farming turkey farming uh is able to provide uh those opportunities for us um and we like to have fun uh fun is um we like to have fun on the farm um so if we're not having fun um then we're not doing it so um i enjoy the different opportunities that the kids uh, get themselves into. I enjoy um, all the projects that Angela does. Um, I may not show it um, initially, but um, deep down, I'm just a, I'm a big teddy bear. <laughs> I love how the themes on your farm are like education, learning, children, and having fun. I think those are three good pillars to have. Yeah. So where can people reach you to know a bit more about what you guys are doing on the farm? You could uh, reach out uh, probably to Angela's uh, website, uh, Priority Kids. So www.priorityKids.ca. And you will find uh, Angela there and you could reach out to Angela and then you uh, through Angela, you could find me. (laughs) <laughs> otherwise you can just drive up our driveway and uh say where's tim and the kids will say yeah he's over here or over there so <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much tim for joining us today thank you Lily. appreciate it that's it for this episode of the inside coop for more information on chicken farming in canada visit chickenfarmers.ca or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at The Inside Coop. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. This podcast is produced by Media Style. Our theme song is written and performed by Mitch Maven and I'm Alin Poyer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.